0: What if I told you there was one thing, one thing that is more important than anything else when it comes to your running, one thing that can make your workouts more manageable and more effective, one thing that can make your races be more successful, one thing that can even be applied to other aspects of your training like strength, nutrition, and maybe even the rest of your life. Have you guessed what it is yet? Of course, this sounds too good to be true, but after I explain it, you might just wonder why you haven't thought about it before. The fundamental concept that has the power to improve everything in your running is pacing. And I don't just mean the speed you run in your workouts, although that's a part of it. I'm talking about the pacing of everything from when you do your workouts to scheduling your week or your year to managing your day and even planning your nutrition. There's a common rhythm to all of these things that can actually be quite universal. And if you can figure out that pattern and then apply it to everything you do, you'll be amazed at the results. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. Today's episode is all about pacing. I'll go over a universal strategy that can not only help you pace your workouts to improve your speed and stamina... But can also be used to race better then we will zoom out we will look at how this can be applied to strength training and nutrition then we'll see if we can apply this same strategy to your long-term running goals and even the rest of your life let's begin with how to pace your speed workouts Proper pacing when you're trying to run fast can be incredibly stressful to a lot of runners. Some people get so anxious before a speed workout or a race that they can't sleep the night before, or they get so nervous that they feel sick even before they start. We want to get it right and hit the mark set out for us. We want to live up to our own expectations. If you have a coach planning your runs, there's a feeling that you don't want to disappoint her. Quick side note, if your coach is disappointed when you miss paces in a workout, you have the wrong coach. But if you go into the workout with a manageable plan on how to pace, you can diffuse a little of that anxiety. Most people vastly overestimate what they can do or should do in a single run and then vastly underestimate what they can actually accomplish in five years of running. They overemphasize a single workout or a single race, putting all of these extra expectations on themselves and then get super frustrated if they don't clear the bar. So lower the bar, lower your expectations for the workout and start slower. Every workout gets harder the longer you run. So factor that in and sandbag the first few intervals. That means don't hit your paces on purpose at first. Now, I know this is tough for the type A perfectionists and people pleasers out there. So if that's you, go ahead and rewrite your workouts so that you always see slower paces in your workouts at the beginning. This is the first part of the universal strategy of pacing that I'm outlining. Start slower than you want to so you can hang on and finish strong. Most new or untrained runners do the opposite of this. They either have no plan at all and just try to run fast until they can't anymore, or they look at their planned paces with no real sense of what the effort should feel like, and then they run fast until they can't anymore. (laughs) They will quit before the workout is over because they're out of steam, or they'll run so fast that they completely change the goal of the workout, risk injury and burnout, Not to mention digging themselves in a deep hole of recovery, making the next few workouts more miserable and less effective. Don't do that. (laughs) Run a manageable workout that starts off at a conservative pace, challenges you by the end, and leaves you with a little in reserves to fight another day. This is the point where most podcasts put their first ad. I'm planning on keeping this show ad-free for as long as possible to see if this model can work. Even better, I'm going to be sending out some freebies to the first 100 people who review the show on iTunes and Spotify. I'll explain more details at the end of the show, or go ahead and check out the show notes to learn more. Now let's look at how to pace a race. The universal rule applies here as well, start slower than you want to so you can hang on and finish strong. This is often called negative splitting. When you negative split a race, the first half of your race is slower than the second half. We know that the effort always rises the longer the distance. So the only way to get faster as the effort is rising is to purposely start off slower. Going out too fast is one of the most common mistakes that runners make in every race from 800 meters to the 5k to the marathon and beyond. We're excited that race day is finally here. The adrenaline's flowing. The crowd is pumping us up. The first part of the race feels so easy that you might think, wow, this is amazing. I've gotten so fit and this feels awesome. I'm going to blow my race pace goal completely out of the water if I can just keep up this pace. And then, Inevitably, a tsunami of exhaustion hits you in the face and it all falls apart. But if you control the pace from the beginning with lower expectations, metering out that energy for when you really need it, which is the end, that tsunami won't hit you until after you cross the finish line. Or maybe it'll just be a tropical rainstorm instead. A true negative split is very difficult to pull off, and some courses, especially those with more downhill in the first half than the second, are just not going to let this happen. But it's less about the actual time on your watch. The strategy of saving your effort at the beginning, because effort always rises, applies universally. Let's see if we can apply the pacing concept to your strength training. If you've never lifted weights before and you go out and do a killer session, what's gonna happen? You're gonna be so sore the next day that you won't wanna lift your coffee mug. You might have to skip a run and you're really not gonna be excited about doing that again in a couple days. So instead, lower your expectations at first and do a workout that's easy and manageable. Keep it short and light. Stop well before you think you could or should. Getting sore from a strength training session is not a badge of honor or a sign that you got a good session in. Sure, you're going to cross the soreness line occasionally, but not getting sore is a much better and less painful approach. As you get stronger, those easy workouts will get too easy to be effective, so you'll have to change things up. Think of this as similar to the middle of a running workout or race. You've gotten past the beginning and now the challenge should go up. The only difference here is that you actually have to apply the challenge and lift a little heavier instead of the race doing it for you. But really, if you think about it, you're applying the challenge in the race too, right? With both running and strength training, you might expect that things would get easier as you get fitter. The effort should go down as you get better, right? Not increase like it does in a race. The reality is no, the effort level and the pacing of effort is still universal. The work doesn't get easier; you just get faster and stronger. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole another level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview changemakers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, a.k.a. their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at kanika gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. How does this apply to nutrition? You certainly could argue that good nutrition actually gets easier the more you do it, and that is true, but let's break that down a bit into effort and timing and pacing. If you've grown up on the standard American diet, which has the appropriate acronym SAD, your diet gets a large portion of its calories from highly processed, refined foods, sugary drinks and treats, and low amounts of whole fruits, vegetables, and fiber, not to mention far too much alcohol. When you decide to overhaul that and eat healthier, it's a massive jump to expect that you're suddenly going to be cooking all your meals from scratch and eating 11 servings of fruit and vegetables a day. Just like pounding out a way too hard strength session leads to failure, attempting to radically change your diet all at once is likely to fail as well. So let's apply our universal pacing rule. Lower your expectations and start slower than you'd like. Instead of switching to tofu, brown rice, and broccoli, cold turkey, see what I did there? (laughs) Simply aim to add a vegetable to dinner to lunch. Maybe add a piece of fruit to your snacks. The goal is not massive, unsustainable change that will break you. It's small, consistent habit changes. When things get too easy, up the challenge. I think you see where I'm going with this, right? Now let's apply pacing or timing techniques to your nutrition when it comes to athletic fueling. Just like you have a race plan or a workout plan to maximize efficiency and effectiveness of your training, you should pace and plan your nutrition throughout your day in and around your workouts. Have a plan for what you eat before every run. Learn what you need to fuel during a run and what works for your body. Learn when and what you need after a run and have that ready to go, whether you are hungry or not. Planning all of this is going to be a challenge at first, but ultimately the effort will go down as you practice this. Nutrition timing or pacing is incredibly important for anyone who works out on purpose and anyone who is trying to manage a healthy lifestyle. Underfueling, whether it's accidental or on purpose, is a huge factor in overeating. So pacing your food throughout the day every two to three hours is how you win the nutritional race. You are never starving or stuffed. The goal is to stay in that Goldilocks zone as much as you can. What I love about the whole concept of pacing is that it really can be used just about anywhere. When you're planning out a week of running, you'll want to pace it so that it's manageable and sustainable. You purposely plan low effort days and rest days so you have the freshness to run hard when you need to. When you're thinking about your big dream goals, like breaking two hours and a half or running Boston or running sub three in the marathon, plan out the pacing of what that will take. You're not going to go out and crush your dream goal tomorrow. It's going to take consistent, deliberate, and sustainable effort Lower your daily expectations to raise your long-term ones. The concept of deliberately applying less effort so that you can accomplish more in the long run is paradoxical. It even feels a little un-American in our busy hustle culture, where overworking is exalted and exhaustion is everywhere. Manageable pacing with everything you do can change all of that. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is called temptation bundling. That's when you pair something that you really like with something that you're not super motivated to do. Let's say you wanna get better at stretching and mobility work, but you're just not super motivated to make it happen. You're always putting it off or missing it completely. To motivate yourself, think of something you can do while you're stretching that you really enjoy, like listening to a certain true crime podcast or watching a trashy reality show. The only rule is that you can't listen to the podcast or watch the show any other time except when you're stretching. The more indulgent the show is, the better, because you're pairing something a little naughty, which feels extra rewarding, with something virtuous, which doubles the happy hormone hit that you get. You're more incentivized to do it again and again, which builds and solidifies the habit. If you try temptation bundling, reach out and let me know how it went. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast. I plan to keep these episodes ad-free for as long as I can, and I need your help getting the word out. Please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes and Spotify and let the world know what you think. To give you an extra incentive, I will gift the first 100 reviewers some free hydration goodies. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and email me your mailing address at claire at theplantedrunner, Runner, C L A I R E and I will personally mail you a gift. I'm only able to offer this to U.S. addresses, but I certainly will be grateful for reviews from anywhere in the world. As always, have a great run today. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.